0: You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. John chapter 4. I know you guys have been in a theme called a matter of conversation. And so I want to continue around that theme this morning. I'm going to read from John chapter 4 and uh, starting in verse 4, it says, now he had gone through Samaria, Samaria, this is Jesus, and in verse 5, it says, so he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot ground of Jacob that had been given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well, someone say Jacob's well. Jacob's well. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And he said, disciples had gone into to town to buy some food. So the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, someone say the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Someone say living water. Sir, the woman replied, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well to drink by himself, uh, for himself, as did his sons and livestock? And Jesus answered, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then the conversation goes on. Jesus talks more with this woman and he starts to discover as he talks with her about her relationships and he starts to speak into her situation about where she's at because turns out she's gone from broken relationship to broken relationship. She'd been divorced five times, wasn't in a good state mentally, emotionally in where she was. But Jesus has this conversation with her. And then we pick up in verse 27, it says, Just then the disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then the girl, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town, to the people, and said, come and see the man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of their town, and they made their way toward him. Go down to verse 39, and it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So a matter of conversation. You know, this woman, when you think about it, she'd never heard about Jesus. She'd never met Jesus. She'd never seen Jesus. Could you imagine if this felt awkward, I mean, I don't know about you, but Jesus turns up, I mean, he's breaking custom, he's breaking culture, everything that he's doing in this moment, it can feel like a little bit awkward. Like, wow, I don't, I, you know, how do you feel about this? And I think sometimes when it comes to sharing our faith, sometimes as believers, we can feel like that is a little bit awkward. We can feel like a little bit uncertain, like, like when you go on a first date, you know, remember when you went on that very first date with that someone that you were romancing? You don't want to mess it up, do you? You don't want to stuff it up. You don't want to get it wrong. No, on the first date, I mean, you're trying to do everything you can to be your best. You know what I mean? These days, there's all types of dates. I mean, obviously in the modern world, I mean, there's speed dating, there's group dating, there's the arranged date, there's the blind date, there's the deaf date, there's internet dating, there's rsvp.com, there's lovesoulmates.com, there's easyflirt.com, matchmaker, singleshookmeup.com, you can even get specific with blacksingles.com, wealthymen.com, sugardaddy.com, there's large and lovely, and for all of the greenies, there's greensingles.com, and if you want to help, Healthy option, there's (laughs) VeggieDate.com. So, you think about dating for a moment, that feeling when you're on that very first date. Why? Why is it so awkward on the very first date? I'll tell you why. Because you're presenting the ideal you and not the real you. (laughs) Come on, someone. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, the first date, it's really like an interview, isn't it? I mean, at the end of it, you're hoping that you're going to be the successful applicant that gets the job. (laughs) I mean, that's really what's going on here. And I mean, do you remember that very first phone call to that person that you, you know, you're on the phone to and you're like... You're talking to them and when you ring them, you don't know what to say and you want to get it all right. So as you're calling them, you've got your little handwritten notes that you're reading just to make sure that, and then you feel confident and you throw them away and everything's going well. It's like, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You know, it just goes on and on. I mean, I think about the very first blind date that ever took place. It happened in the Bible. The very first blind date was Adam and Eve. I mean, God was doing some setup work here. Adam's hanging out with God. Adam's like, God, what's she like? And God's like, well, Adam, I think you'll like her. She's a bit of a free woman, a bit of a free spirit, doesn't wear much. Adam's like, <laughs> Adam's like thinking, this is going to be a great start. <laughs> it was the blind date. But here's the thing. With this woman in this Bible story, this was not a date with romance. This is what I call a date with destiny. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about a date with destiny. You see, some of the most significant moments that happened in Jesus' life were the stops and distractions along the way. Or if you'd like to call it, the unexpected interruptions. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you think about the Bible stories that were the unexpected interruptions. There's blind Bartimaeus. There was the woman with the issue of blood who approached him and touched his garment. There's the Syrophoenician woman who came up to him in the middle of a banquet. There was Nicodemus who climbed a tree shouting out to him. There was the faith of the centurion who just approached him with all of his soul. They were all unexpected interruptions. They were stops and distractions along the way, but they turned out to be a date with destiny for people's lives. And this woman, she's collecting water from Jacob's well. Now, Jacob's well in the Bible is a very deep, superstitious, historical well from Bible times. And she's hanging around Jacob's well, and Jesus comes up and starts conversation with her. A matter of conversation. And a couple of thoughts around this Bible story that I think we can learn when it comes to having that conversation when it comes to our faith with people. And the first thought that I want to present this morning is don't become too busy to be interrupted and stopped. Come on. Don't become too busy to be interrupted and stopped. Jesus stops for a drink. The Bible says in verse 6 that it was the sixth hour. In other words, the sixth hour of the day is noon. It's the middle of the day. Now in Samaritan culture, all Samaritan women would rise early in the early hours of the morning. They would go to the well to draw water for the day, for their responsibilities. The reason why Samaritan women would rise early was to avoid the Mediterranean heat. So they would go early. So the fact that this woman is here at the well in the middle of the day tells us that something's not right. Obviously with what's going on with her life. Now, what you've got to understand is that In a world that isolated women socially in Bible times, it was very much a male-dominated culture. The task was not entirely burdensome when it came to going to a well to draw water because many women would go for the opportunity to meet at the well because the well was a place where they would socialise. The well was the place where all the women would gather. The well in the early hours of the morning was the place where women would meet and talk. And women love to meet and talk. And that's what the well was. So everyone, all of the girls, the women would go to the well. It was their local. It was their place where they'd go and they'd hang out. I mean, Abraham, his servant found a wife for Isaac, Rebekah, at the well. Moses met the daughters of Jethro, Zephora at a well. And so the well was a place that women would go to. But the well was the very, this well, Jacob's well was the very well this woman was avoiding. She didn't want to go when everyone else was there. She's there in the middle of the day, maybe because of her reputation. Divorced five times, broken relationships, Seemed to be immoral, the shame, the guilt, the attention, the gossip. Maybe that's why she wasn't there. And Jesus could have just passed by, but no, he sees, and he stops. And he stops. And now there's a custom in the day that we have to be aware of. Verse 9 says, for Jews don't associate with Samaritans. So you've got to understand the custom and the culture of Jewish culture and Samaritan culture. Now Jesus, he's male, he's single, he's religious and Jewish. And clearly defined social barriers ought to keep him from speaking to any woman in such a private setting. But don't you love how Jesus always breaks religious laws and religious customs to meet with people? In fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I love that Jesus with this woman, when he shares with her, it's out of gentleness and respect. You see, I had a friend who Years ago, she was in the city in her job and she was late for an appointment in the CBD. So she was trying to get from the street that she was on over to Pitt Street that she needed to. And so in Sydney, we have Uber. Anyone here, you you have Uber? Yeah, we have taxi cabs. We have all the, they're called the silver cab taxi service. And so she's looking and she couldn't get an Uber in time and there's taxis everywhere, silver cabs. And she's like, I'm just going to jump in a cab and I'm going to get to Pitt Street. And so she sees the silver car. She runs over, jumps in the back seat and she says, take me to Pitt Street real quick. And so the driver, he's a a foreigner. And so he's like, "Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, and so he starts driving and then... She's getting annoyed because he's going a long way. And she's like, hey, turn at this corner. You're going the long way. Turn here. I'm going to be late. You've got to get me to this appointment. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah sorry, 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 sorry. So turns and away they go and they're driving. And, and then she's like, she's looking at her time. She's trying to, She's got. I can't be late. I've got to get there. And, and then she starts, while she's in the back of the silver cab, she's looking around in the silver car. And she noticed that there's no payment system in the front of the car she notices that there's no photo of the driver in the front of the car. And then she starts to look around and realise that she's jumped in the back of someone else's silver car and demanded to be driven to Pitt Street. And as she's working this out, she starts apologising to the driver who still drove her to Pitt Street anyway. (laughs) But I thought, isn't it a classic example of how we can become so busy that we just forget to be stopped and interrupted by where we're at and what moments we're in. You know, it's so easy to be preoccupied by your routines, your habits, your meetings, your agenda, your family, your career, your marriage. But we've got to learn to stop and be interrupted for the moments to happen that could be a date with destiny for people's lives. The second thought that I want to bring to your attention from this story is grace conversations trump religious perceptions. Grace conversations trump religious perceptions. Jesus says in verse 10, he says, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the the gift of God, what's the gift that Jesus is talking about here? He's talking about the gift of grace Because he knew her circumstances. He knew her life. He knew that she was feeling shame. He knew that she was feeling guilt. He he knew that she was feeling rejection. So the very thing he brings to her as a gift is grace. Is grace in his conversation. And Jesus' conversations, you'll notice they were never argumentative. They were always filled with grace. Because arguments don't win people to salvation. Grace wins people to salvation. And you see, Jesus' gift of grace surpassed any religious gift of a superstitious, deeply historic well that Jacob had built years ago. And you see, Jacob's well was no match for Jesus's well. Here's a woman confronted with well water or living water. And in this moment, she has to decide about her life and where she's at. And she has to go from the well of tradition to the well of truth. From a well of religion to a well of revelation. To the well of ritual to the well of relationship. To the well of history to the well of history. And this moment's happening where she now needs to decide between the man-made well or the God-given well. And in the Greek, the word well, it literally means a, a free-flowing spring. A free-flowing spring that's, off, that's often dug by hand. And I was thinking about that. The word well, that it means it's man-made. It's dug by hand. And you know, humanity, we love to dig our own wells. Humanity does life where we dig our own wells. I'll do life my way. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me how to... Do marriage, don't tell me how to do career, don't tell me what to do. I'll make my own decision. I'm a self made man, I can do life my way. We love to dig our own wells, it's our human nature. But here, this woman is confronted with not the man made well, but a God given well. When I was on a plane years ago, I was flying to our um, young adults conference, I was with our youth pastor. At the time, and it was only a short flight from Newcastle to Sydney. And while we we're on the plane, we were sitting right up the front opposite the hostess. And so on a small plane, you're really close, and so you can't help but just have conversation. Hi, how are you? And you start talking. And anyway, we started having a great chat with her. She was very friendly, and she said, What do you guys do? Where are you going? And I said, Oh, well, we're pastors. We're going to a, to a conference, to a young adult conference. And she looked at us. And she was a young girl herself. She said, you guys aren't pastors. I said, we are two pastors. She said, no, you're not pastors. What do you really do? I said, we really do pastor. I said, we're pastors. And she says, but you guys, you, you're too normal to be pastors. This is what she said, you're too normal. And I said, well, I might be, but these are not that normal. You know, I said, but... I said, no, I said, we are pastors. And then she looks at my friend, my other youth pastor, and he's got tattoos on his arms. She said, you're definitely not a pastor. I said, he is a pastor. He's a little bit shady at times, but he is a pastor. And so we're having this conversation. And then we started telling just her our story with Jesus and how I found Jesus. And then my friend, he starts telling her how he found Jesus. And then we invited her to church. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, oh, she said, I can't come to church. I said, Why? And she said, I don't tick the boxes. That's what she said, I don't tick the boxes. And in that very moment, I remember I just looked down at her and I just said, you know what? Being a Christian doesn't mean you tick the boxes. I said, you've got to understand something. Let me stop you right there. I said, me and and AK, this guy, and I said, and all the people that I know, none of us tick the boxes. I said, the only thing that makes us... No, God is it His grace. And I said, it's His grace. It's His unconditional love and favour on us that accepts us, even though we don't tick the boxes. I said, I don't know anyone that does. Because that's what grace does. Grace reaches people. Grace conversations, not religious perceptions. And you see, we need to keep having those grace conversations. Because people need to hear grace. Regardless of their flaws, their failures, their mistakes, their fears, they need to know that grace is unmerited and unconditional on their lives. So here's the third thing. So don't become too busy to be interrupted and stopped. Grace conversations trump religious perception. The third thought that I want to bring you to today is is that you are a carrier of living water is that you are the carrier of living water. Verse 28, it says, leaving her water jar. Leaving her water jar. She went there to collect well water, but she left carrying living water. You see, she went... And she has this encounter with Jesus. She was there to get water from the well just for daily responsibilities. But all of a sudden, she leaves the very jar that she came with because she was filled with different water. She was filled with living water. And you see, I love that she had this sense of urgency. She didn't even worry about her daily responsibilities and what was happening right there. And then she had something more urgent that she was carrying on the inside. And so then she starts to make her way back to the town. See, what you've got to understand about salvation is a person's salvation, it's like a chain of events. Do you know what I mean? A person's journey to Christ, it's like a chain of events. And you see, every link represents something along that journey that was on that chain of events. This might be a bumper sticker that they saw on a car that said Jesus. This might be a parent that prayed for them when they were young. This might be a Bible they one time picked up from the shelf. This might be a Christian friend that they know from school. This might be on the TV some preacher they heard. This might be an invitation to church and so on and so forth. And every link, a Christian song they heard on the radio, every link is a link in the chain. And the thing about the chain of events is you don't know what the final link is before they meet Christ. See, all you and I need to be worried about and concerned about is that we don't become the missing link. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, you and I, we're just links in the chain of a person's events to salvation. You don't know what link you're going to be, but just don't be the missing link. You see, what was this girl carrying? Verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans in that town believed because of the woman's testimony. You know what she was carrying? She was carrying her testimony. She was a carrier of her story of how Christ's story encountered her story. And she now became a carrier of it. I love that. You see, this woman who was rejected, this woman who was probably despised, looked down upon, gossiped about, probably insecure, no self-esteem, the reason why she's there in the middle of the day feeling unwanted and worthless, all of a sudden, she decides, hang on a minute. I mean, you've got to remember, she was divorced five times reputation started to get out reputation was ruined credibility was ruined the only other person I know that's been divorced five times is Wesley Snipes and you know I can sort of understand why Wesley Snipes would be divorced five times because if I was one of his wives there is only so much reruns of Blade Trinity and Passenger 57 that you can watch okay? And so I get that. But you've got to understand in Bible times, if someone is divorced five times, Jewish custom regards that a woman can be divorced two or three times. But any more than that, she's classed as exceedingly immoral. So think of the reputation that she had. That's why she's at the well by herself. But all of a sudden, she doesn't care anymore about her reputation. She now knows it's about Jesus' reputation. And so she becomes a carrier of Christ. She becomes a carrier of the living water. It's no longer about her, it's now about Jesus. You know what? It's so easy to say that up here. Yeah, you're a carrier of Christ. You're a carrier of the living water. But you know what? It's not until we're out there that those stops and interruptions happen that the unexpected interruptions happen where you're like, oh, is this one of those moments? Let me tell you about John's story. John arrived at our house at about 3.30 in the afternoon. I was home. My, My sister was selling a table on eBay and she said, oh Scotty, she said, look can you just be here, I'm going out to dinner and movies with my friends and can you, John's just going to come by he's paid for it, just pick it up and go and I'm not like, sure sis, go for it, go for the movie, go for dinner, all good. And so John arrives at about 3.30, 4 o'clock he picks up the table and then he leaves, goes, I close the door, I don't see John again I'm thinking, great. About half an hour later there's a knock at the front door and Basically, John says, Oh, can you give me a hand? My car has broken down. And I'm like, Sure, I'll give you a hand. I'll give you a hand. So I go out and try and push start his car. Couldn't get it going. I said, Look, I've got some jumper leads. I'll get the jumper leads out of my car. We'll try and get the car going. It was like a flat battery or something. Well, that didn't start it. Then I, I owned a small SUV, four wheel drive. I said, Look, I've got a tow rope. I'll hook up to you. We'll tow you around the neighborhood. We'll get your car going. So this goes on for about an hour. I'm pushing John's car, jump starting, we're towing. I mean, this is all happening, and so then we get back, but John's car still doesn't work. And then he says, "Oh, can I come in and borrow your phone?" And I'm thinking, borrow my phone? We, 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 you know, it's 2000 and whatever, you know, 2015 or whatever. And I'm like, "You want to? Who doesn't have a phone?" I mean, John's in his 60s; he doesn't have. A, I'm thinking, in Australia, we got 26 million phones. We got more phones than people, but not John. He doesn't have a phone. So he comes inside. I say, sure, John, you know, use my phone. You can, you can use it. Now, while John's on my phone, I start having an internal conversation with God. And I start putting two and two together because John, he's like, oh, he's not sounding very confident on the phone. He's not with AA. And he's trying to ring his wife and he's trying to ring her and she's not responding. And so I start putting two and two together and I'm saying to God, I'm like, God, I've done everything that I can do for John. I've been out there pushing this car, I went out jumper leads on that car, I even towed his car, I'm like God, I've done everything that I can do for John right now, my spirit was willing but my flesh had had enough, (laughs) you know what I'm saying and so this had gone on over for an hour, well it turns out that John gets off the phone, he lives two hours away and his wife's not picking up the phone at home so he's left her a message and he says, oh I've got nowhere to go. And I said, well, I'll go and put the jug on for a cup of tea. And so I'm putting the jug on for the cup of tea and I'm thinking, right, if this guy's going to be stuck in my house, I'm thinking, God, I'm going to hit him with the gospel like he's never seen it coming. You're a bullseye in this. You don't even know it, John. You've got a big target on your head. You're going to cop Jesus between the eyes today, buddy. This is what I'm thinking, right? I'm making the cup of tea. For five hours, John stays in my house. Five hours. I start the conversation by saying, so John, what do you do? He says, I'm a banker. I said, oh, right. I said, "Um," he said to me, he said, oh, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And he said, is that like a priest? And I said, yeah. And John went, oh. And I said, John, do you believe in God? He said, no, I'm an atheist. And I went, oh. And I could tell right at that moment, John, in his mind, started to put two and two together. That he is feeling trapped in a pastor's house with nowhere to go. Let me tell you, he was like a lion in Daniel's den. You know what I'm saying? He's like not knowing what's about to hit him. And so it turns out as we're talking that John's wife is a Christian and that she's been praying for John for 20 years. She's been praying. In fact, that... He works part-time in her church doing the groundskeeping. He's the groundsman. I said, that's odd, John. I've never heard of an atheist building the house of God. (laughs) I said, look at you. And then I started to tell him my testimony. Then I told him my wife's, brothers and sisters and mother's testimony as well. And then I shared every salvation scripture that I could think of. I said, John, the Bible says in John three sixteen that God so loved the world and gave his only son for you, John, that you shall not die but have eternal life. I said in the Bible, it says in John 10, verse 10, that he come to give life more abundantly. I said in John 14, I said, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I said in Romans 10, verse 9, it says, Jesus said, when you call on his name, you'll be saved, John. And so then I started to preach every message I've ever preached to John. I just start preaching to him in the kitchen. Then I took him down Romans Road and I said, John, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But John, where sin abounds, grace of God abounds all the more. And then I gave him all of my one-liners. I said, John, a relationship with Jesus. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. I said, you might not believe in God, but he believes in you. I said, John, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. No longer, no more than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger. (laughs) And so I start telling, and let me tell you something. After five hours... Three cups of tea, a full packet of Scotch finger biscuits. Finally, John's wife arrives. I'm like, praise the Lord, I got nothing else in the tank. And so she comes in and then I start telling her about our conversation. I mean, me and John, we're BFFs now. I mean, we're, we're besties, you know, we're BFFs. And I start telling her about the conversation we've had been having around Jesus and and as I'm talking to her she starts tearing up and she says i've been praying for john for 20 years to find jesus and she starts sobbing and crying and i just go i'll go and put the jug on again for another <laughs> cup of tea i'm like okay all right lord so we put the jug on again we talked for a little bit more but i never forget john leaned over to his wife and he said honey he said i'm going to come to church with you this sunday and both of them just had tears welling up in their eyes and they left at 9 30 i shut the doors get out you know <laughs> praise the lord but you know what we're, we're carriers of living water we're carriers of living water to our communities to our families to our friends, to our workplace, to the environments we go in, we're the carriers of Christ. We're the ones that carry the testimony, the story, the power of who Jesus is to those that need it. And the final thought that I want to bring to you this morning is break the drought and become a bringer. Break the drought and become a bringer. Verses 29 G- uh, the woman said, come and see the man who told me everything. She went back to the very community that rejected her, that despised her. She said, come and see. You, you guys, you've got to come with me. She, I've got to bring you. I've got to bring you to Jesus. And the Bible says they all came. Because she went to them. She said, come, come, you've got to come. And you see, I really think God wants us to have that bringing spirit as well. When it comes to bringing people to Jesus. You know, like when you go and see a movie. And you know how people get excited about going to a movie? Like I remember when the, uh, the movie A Star Is Born came out with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Oh, the buzz around this movie. In fact, one of our friends went and saw the movie five times. Because, you know, there's movies where people get excited about movies. And you know what they get more excited about? Bring you to see the movie with them. So they've seen it, and then they want you to see it. So they go, and they're like, you've got to come and see this movie. And then they finally get you into the movie. And what do they do? They start saying things like, oh, you're going to laugh next. You're going to laugh. And then you feel like you've got to give the courtesy laugh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah. And and, and then they keep going. And they just can't contain themselves. They always tell you, you see that guy? (laughs) He dies. You know, it's it's like they've got to tell you. Because bringers are excited about bringing, you see. You see, fishermen don't invite fish into the boat. No, they bring it. Firemen don't invite water to a fire. No, they bring it. And a farmer doesn't invite the harvest in. No, he brings it. Romans 6 verse 3 says, You have brought us from death to life. Is there anyone in the house today and you've been brought from death to life? Hmm. He brings you from brokenness, from loneliness, from sickness, from depression into an abundant life of Jesus. You see, the reason why people are in church today, most people are here, not because of preaching, not because of a program, not because of a band or a media or an invitation card, but most people are in church today because just someone brought them. Someone brought them. You see, Andrew in the Bible, one of the disciples, he qualifies all of us to be a bringer. Andrew never preached a sermon. He never did any miracles. He never wrote any epistles. He was not outstanding in any way that we can know of, but Andrew was brilliant at bringing people to Jesus. In John chapter one, he brought his brother, Peter, Simon Peter, he brought Peter to Jesus. And then we don't hear anything about Andrew. Then later on in John chapter 9, he turns up with a whole bunch of people. He brings a whole multitude to Jesus, brings more people. See, Andrew had a reputation for bringing. You see, when was the last time we brought people to church? I was preaching in our city campus at Hillsong. I was in the morning I was at our Hills campus. I'd done three services in that morning, and then at night, Back then, our services in the city, there was four services from the afternoon to the evening. So I'd preached a total of seven times that day. And I've got to tell you, I was delusional. I didn't know what planet I was on by the end of it. But I remember at the end of the service, we'd done ministry, we'd had altar calls, we'd preached, we'd prayed. And I remember all I could think about was after that seventh services, I'm going to go straight home. I'm going to see my wife and I'm going to have a Tim Tam Slam. And you guys have Tim Tams here? You know what a Tim Tam Slam is with a hot chocolate? You bite both ends off and you suck the hot chocolate through the Tim Tam. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah. And so, so I'm just thinking, that, I'm thinking that, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going home to see Keddie. We're going to have Tim Tam Slam. That's what I'm doing. And so I get off the stage and I start walking down the stage. And out of the corner of my eye, I can see this big guy approaching me. And I can see his big Islander boy and he's coming, and he's pushing chairs out the way, and he's coming over, and I can see him, and, 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 and as he's coming closer, I mean, he's a cross between UFC and KFC, you know what I'm saying, he's coming out of nowhere, and I'm, I'm looking at the door, and I'm thinking, I can still make it, you know, I, I can still make it, and so I start walking down, and then, and then, and then, and then and I said, no, no, I've got to stop, he's coming to have a chat, so I stopped, and I waited for him, he comes up, and he's like, Hebrew, and I'm like, oh, get him mate, how are you, and he starts talking and his eyes were glazed and he said, that was a nice talk. And I said, oh, thanks. And he said, um, he said, this afternoon, he said, I was driving. And he said, I was driving up to the ridge at Manly in Sydney. And he says, there's a cliff up there. And he says, I've got a gun in my car. And he said, I've been carrying around this bullet all day. And he's holding this little bullet. And he said, I was going up there to take my life tonight to commit suicide. And as he's telling me this story, he says, but as I was on my way, he said, a friend called me. He said, a friend called me. And he said, and that friend asked me where I was and said, I need to be in church tonight. So he came to right where I was and he picked me up and he brought me back, took me to church. And he said, I just want to tell you that I don't need this bullet anymore. And I want to give it to you. And then in this moment, it was like this exchange because as he gave me the bullet, I was holding a Bible in my hand and I gave him the Bible as he was giving me the bullet and I said, hey, I said, suicide no longer is in your hand but now your future is. And in that moment, yeah, as it was powerful, it really was. I actually carry the bullet around in my car with me back home. I don't know if that's legal or not, but anyway, I carry it. But I do it to remind me, to remind me of... That, that boy's life because what I'm so grateful for is just the friend who brought him, the friend who just kept ringing, the friend who just didn't give up, the friend who just said, oh, I need to try him again because it actually saved his life. When was the last time you decided to try that friend one more time, ask that family member one more time, to be a bringer one more time because the time is now. The time is in our hands for us to realise that it's only a matter of conversation. That's all it is. We're all links in the train, in, the, in the, on the train, in the chain. But let's decide not to be the missing link. Let's decide not to be. As the team come, you know, Jesus went on in that scripture in verse 35. He said, the harvest is ripe. He said, the harvest is ripe. He said, even now the reaper draws his wages and now he harvests the crop. But where are the labourers? Where are the workers? The harvest is ripe now. You know, you and I, we've got a huge field in our own backyard. You've got a field of your family. You've got a field of relatives. You've got a field of friends. And guess what? Every single one of them need Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.